Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. Notable women, how are you doing? I hope you're doing fabulous and enjoying your day tremendously. So excited to be here with you because I'm talking to Tara Bossler. Tara Bossler is a copywriter and we talk all about story and the elements of story. And we also talk about her story. And I really, really like her. And she's such a tiny little ball of energy and delight. And I think that you'll really enjoy hearing her tips and You even get to hear her describe me, which I found a super fascinating experience. So definitely check it out. Enjoy her defining me in a little blurby thing, as she calls them. And I'll catch you again on the flip side. Welcome to the Notable Woman Podcast. Today's interview is with Tara Bossler. Welcome to the podcast, Tara. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kristen. It's so awesome to be here with you. I'm excited. Now, lady, tell us a little bit about you. So I'm Tara. I live in the greater Philadelphia area. I always have, very likely always will. I have two degrees in communication, my bachelor's and my master's. And I live with my very adorable and precocious four-year-old daughter and my increasingly anxious seven-year-old dog. And I am a copywriter for women entrepreneurs. How do you feel about the Liberty Bell? Uh, It's a bit overrated. (laughs) It is kind of small when you actually see it, you know? Yeah, it's a very long line to see, you know, it kind of looks better in pictures. You know, it photographs really well and nicer. And then you see it and you're like, oh, it's a bell. Cool. Okay. And you also tend to see it at a time in your life, like when you don't care. Like it's a field trip when you're 10 and you're like, I don't care. I just want to, you know, go to Chuck E. Cheese or something. I don't know. Yeah. History gets cooler. I think the older you get. I totally agree on that. Absolutely. Now, do you have a favorite Philadelphian food? Cheesesteaks. There you go. Absolutely. In case anyone didn't know, I'm from Philadelphia, which is why I got a quiz tear on this while I got her. Yeah. If you live anywhere near Philadelphia, that's like a no brainer. That and water ice, which people outside of here don't call water ice. I guess they call it Italian ice or. But it's totally different. It's not the same. Yeah. So water ice as well. When I lived in California, I came across a Pennsylvania man who brought water ice out and had his own little water ice stand. It was. Mm -hmm. It was mind-blowing. Best thing ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but people outside of our base are like, ice water? I'm like, no, it's water ice. Like, but that doesn't make sense. And then I have to explain it and take them to Rita's. And then they are happy. Everyone is happy. I totally agree. My husband from California, whenever we have an opportunity, he always has to get water ice because it's Mm -hmm. the best. Yes. Now, how did you fall into communication as your field? So when I was in high school, I was really into movies, like film. And I wanted to be a film director. And so I decided I was going to go to school. Well, I wanted to go to film school. And my very like risk averse mother was like, no, you're not doing that. And so I went to a liberal arts school, majored in broadcasting, and then realized I didn't really have what I felt like it took to be in that industry. 
fact that you have to really start at the bottom in a way that is not valued at all. Like you basically have to be treated like crap for a while. And as a woman, it's extra hard to be in that space. And I didn't really feel like I was up for it. And at the same time, I was really getting into my communication studies classes. So like theory and the rhetoric and all of those kind of the study of communication rather than the production of communication. And so I really fell in love with that. Ended up going to grad school for the same thing and teaching communication at the university level. And then also my research interests in communication tended towards feminist theory as well. Then I also taught in the women's and gender studies department. And so I taught in those two departments for eight years. Wow. I could see how that would kind of end up leading you to wanting to write for women entrepreneurs, the idea of communications and gender studies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, you just launched out on your own with your own biz. Is that right? That's right. So... After my eight years of teaching, I have my master's, but I don't have a PhD, which meant I was at the institution that I was teaching at. I was a contracted employee or faculty member, and they decided to go to a completely PhD-based faculty, which meant I was out of a job. So I had started freelance writing to supplement my income and with the idea that in a year or two, I would kind of take that time to nurture my business. And then when I got that news, it kind of went from a two-year plan to about a 90-day plan. And I really amped up and was super intentional about my strategy and became a businesswoman, (laughs) which I didn't necessarily know I had in me, but I'm actually pretty good at it. And so that's what I did. Well, that's a super powerful story. I'm really impressed that you took that news. And instead of sort of crying into a pint of Ben and Jerry's, which is probably what I would do, that you really, you know, I mean, I did that. That did happen for about 24 hours. I let myself do that for about 24 hours. And then I said, okay, we literally don't have time to do this anymore. (laughs) Like, pick yourself up put your big girl pants on and do something. So excellent. That is awesome. So what steps did you take to go into your freelance writing full time? Number one is I hired a business coach. It was something that, you know, there's like prompts in Facebook groups, right? Like if you had $5,000 to put into your business, what would you do with it? And every single time I was like business coach, I know that's what I need. Like I said, I was not a businesswoman. Like that was not my background. And so I knew that, yeah, I can kind of follow my heart, but you know, that's not a business strategy. So I need somebody that knows, you know, what I need to focus on when I need to focus on it. So I hired my business coach, Tanya Rainier, and she really helped me kind of create a plan, stay focused on what I needed to stay focused on, you know, not get swept away with shiny object syndrome (laughs) and kind of looking at what other people are doing and being like, oh, people are talking about this. Should I be doing that? And she's like, no, not really. And so without her, you know, I could have done it, but not in the amount of time I needed to. So that was one very intentional step that I took that paid off enormously. And then just got super intentional about who I connected with in Facebook group. I just started reaching out to a lot of people that, you know, I saw doing well and being successful and were well connected. And I just blatantly said, you know, this is what I do. Here I am. Do you need anything? And if you don't need anything, do you know somebody that needs something? And that worked. <laughs> so Awesome. Now, tell us a little bit about what those services are. What do you provide for people? So I write copy, which I think people get confused about, but it's really not that confusing. It's just the words that are on your website. <laughs> so... I do website copy, you know, your homepage, your landing page, your services page, your about page, work with me page. I love doing sales copy. So I do sales pages 
and I do email sequences. And then I do what I call blurby things, which is like things like bios or podcast intros or membership site descriptions. Just those little things that are like two or three lines that you need to have. But a lot of times my clients start writing them and they're like, oh, it's only two to three lines. This won't be hard. And then they come to realize that's actually much harder (laughs) to condense all the information that needs to happen in those two or three lines. I do that as well. That is awesome. And having done my own podcast intro and, you know, DIY'd all this stuff for the podcast myself is so hard. You're right. Yeah. And it seems like it should be super easy. But a lot of times, too, what happens is like a few things happen with women entrepreneurs, especially. And one is you're too close to the thing. And so it's like everything's important because it's my passion project and it's my calling and it's my purpose. And so everything seems important, but really like objectively, it's not. So it's helpful to have a third party to say like, yes, this is interesting, but doesn't belong here. And then the other part that I think happens a lot with women entrepreneurs, they have trouble selling themselves. And, you know, they don't, we're not used to as women talking ourselves up and being confident and expressing confidence. And so when it comes to creating and building and growing our business, that can be a block for a lot of women. And it's just like, well, I don't want to, you know, put anybody out. It's like, would you like a hobby or would you like a business? Because if you want a business, you have to do this part. This part has to happen. And so I really love supporting women entrepreneurs in that and helping them get those words out about their awesomeness, because sometimes it's hard for them to find. That is amazing. So it sounds to me all these little pieces that you've talked about, whether it be web copy, sales pages, blurby things, which I like very much. Excellent title there. They all sound like they're pieces of a story. And it sounds like you are a storyteller to me. Actually, what do you call yourself? Do you have like a fun little title? I do. I call myself writer gal extraordinaire. I like it. I like it very much. I definitely need one of those. Yeah. And it makes it fun because I think a lot of times it's like, oh, web copy, like contact forms. You know, it's like it seems formulaic and cookie cutter and it doesn't have to be because you can make it whatever you want. And it really shouldn't be because if it's super formulaic, it's not going to stand out. And, you know, the Internet is a pretty big place you know, with lots of words. And so you need to, you know, figure out how to infuse some creativity and authenticity into your copy, which is exactly really what a story is. Absolutely. So if someone wanted to tell a good story, let's say we'll take something like a website. How would you recommend they do that? What would be the pieces they break down, process, any sort of suggestions on how to tell a good story? I mean, I think it really is a balance between being transparent and authentic. And especially when we're talking about web copy, being succinct. (laughs) Because I think when we think about stories, we think about novels or even short stories, like in terms of what a short story is, that's even too long for when we're talking about web copy. And so it really is about word economy and making sure that every single word you choose points in the same direction and points your readers to the plot line. And it might not seem like, you know, your about me page is a story, but it really is because unless you're going to create it as like bullet points, it's going to be, you know, prose based and you want people to keep reading it. And to do that, you have to create 
you know, a bit of suspense, a bit of intrigue, certainly interest, certainly entertainment. But mostly, especially with, you know, the clients that I work with that are creatives, they're coaches, they're mostly service-based businesses, you have to put yourself in there. You have to be authentic. You have to give a little bit of yourself. Because most of those businesses, people, yes, are buying a service or whatever, or investing in a coach. But really, they're, you're selling you, right? You're selling your persona. And you can't do that with, you know, bullet points. It's not a resume. And people that are kind of investing in these kinds of services, you know, they want to feel like they're talking to a friend, you know, a very, you know, a well-educated and more knowledgeable than them kind of friend, but a friend. And that's the way that you really kind of keep your readers reading. And you can't make them convert into clients without keeping them in the reading mode. Awesome. And so let's say you were someone, <clears throat> me, who <laughs> might be a little verbose uh, in their writing. What's a good way to try to narrow it down and make sure each word has an impact? And I like what you said earlier, that that all points in the same direction. I totally mm-hmm. have that problem because I'm like, I want to say this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. And then I'm pointing in like 60 directions and doesn't make any sense. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, you can, I mean, there's, I was going to say there's one of two ways to do it, but I mean, there's probably a million ways to do it. But the two ways that I think of in terms of organizing that kind of information is to funnel it one way or the other. And what I mean by that is either come up with your general topic and then think about specifics or come up with, you know, the specific story you want to tell and then widen it. And in that funnel, for most website pages, you shouldn't have more than like three to four pieces of that funnel that you're going to fill out. Is this making sense? (laughs) Is this analogy making sense? Yeah, yes. Could you, for our audience, define what you mean by funnel? Yeah. So by funnel, it's like, you know, the wide part is at the top and the narrow part is at the bottom. So you are like pouring oil into your car. And so, you know, the wide part being the most general. And so if you want to write an about me page, your general theme is I want my readers to know, you know, who I am. So that's your general theme. And then think about, okay, what parts of me do I want them to know? I want them to know my educational background. I want them to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want them to know how I do what I do. And then maybe, you know, some quirky fun things about me that make me super relatable and approachable. So those things kind of narrow down in terms of specificity. And then that gives you an outline for, okay, what is my educational background here? Okay, why, you know, what's my purpose in this work? What are some quirky fun things? And then kind of filling those out with another just like two points each. And then you kind of have a good, solid, but concise piece of copy. Instead of being like, okay, well, what's my purpose? When I was born, right, like that's going to be more than two bullet points there. So just kind of limiting yourself a little bit to, you know, what's the most important. You can also, I mean, if you're good at editing yourself, you can be super wordy and get it all out and then highlight, you know, where those pieces are the most relevant to the bullet points that you want to cover and then take out the rest. Or you can have somebody else do that because a lot of times it is difficult to really edit yourself. Because like I said, when you're so close to it, you know, you are the business owner, you're the 
founder, you're the everything, which is most of my clients. It's hard to decide what's important and what's not to include because it all seems important. And so passing that off to somebody else to just kind of say, you know, maybe this could be part of your work with me page instead, or maybe this can be part of the description of your Facebook group instead. All of this doesn't need to be here, but we can direct them, you know, we can direct your readers to these other pieces of information from here. Now, do you have a word count or a number of sentences suggestion for, let's say, an about me page? Well, I wouldn't go much over maybe 600 words, which is kind of a typical medium sized blog post, kind of give you a sense of what that looks like. Because, you know, people read long blog posts and people read long email, as long as neither of those two things are boring. But they typically are not going to read a long about me page because people just kind of are like, when they're coming to your About Me page, they don't want your life story. They need to know what it's like to work with you. And that's kind of it. And once they get that, they're going to leave. Or once they are reading and not getting that, they're going to leave. So you want to make sure that you're not inundating people with you know, unnecessary information. And it is really helpful to talk with someone outside of yourself to figure out what that means. Because I think a lot of times it's just so hard to figure out what's relevant, what's pertinent to my ideal client. And sometimes that can be difficult to figure out. So totally just for me, because now I'm curious, do you do a lot of work as a writer gal extraordinaire with SEO or any kind of SEO optimization? Sometimes, but not typically, mostly because the clients that I work with are doing more organic marketing. They're not necessarily looking for cold leads to their website, if that makes sense. So they are, you know, they're building relationships on their social media platforms and using their website to kind of direct their leads to their website as opposed to getting leads like directly from their website. Does that make sense? Oh, you did. You did. Uh, absolutely. And that does make sense. I was just curious. Just personally, I am you know very interested in this Google 2017 algorithm change. It gets very complicated. And so I use my website the same way in that I'm not expecting people to Google and find me. I'm expecting people to search me from my social media platforms, which tends to convert at a much higher rate. Now, how about social media? How do you as a copy gal use your social media? So when I first started, I was like, I need to be everywhere all the time. So I was on Facebook. I was on Pinterest. I was on Twitter. I was trying to understand Instagram because I'm like, I'm on the tail end of the millennial generation. And so it's like, I'm supposed to understand Instagram, but I don't really. And so I did try to do all of those things. And I just got a little bit frustrated. And so I started just focusing on where I get the most engagement, which is Facebook which is great because there's a lot of Facebook things happening right now. So like Facebook lives are super big and Facebook groups are super big and really been focusing on my efforts there. And with Facebook groups really being my bread and butter in terms of where I end up finding my clients. Awesome. Actually, Facebook just announced they're going to be doing some sort of live broadcasts, aka live podcasting. So it's, uh, they're always changing it up there on Facebook. Exciting thing. Keeping themselves irrelevant. Now, I believe you just did a Facebook Live for the first mm -hmm. time. Actually, the video that's on there is actually my second take because my first take, I was like just kind of playing around with it with my daughter. 
and which ended up just being a bunch of like poop jokes because she's four. (laughs) And then I was like, I made the mistake before I was a parent. I was like, I'm never going to let my kids like play with my, you know, $700 phone. Well, she does because it makes them be quiet. And so she, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. After this Facebook live ridiculousness happened and I stopped it and then she grabbed it from me and was like playing with it and deleted it. So I had like told people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like try out Facebook Live and it's going to be great. And they were like, how'd it go? I'm like, uh, well, it was mostly poop jokes and then it got deleted. <laughs> um, so then my second one went much better. And that's when I kind of like told my business journey story. And there were actually 14 people on there live with me, like talking to me and encouraging me and supporting me. And it was really cool. It was so much more fun. And I'm actually really excited to do the next one. So sometime this week, I'll be doing that again. That is awesome. Now, as a copy person, do you write what you're going to say on your Facebook lives in advance? Or do you just kind of have general topics? No, I do it the way I used to teach, which is I write a few things on an index card, (laughs) which is super professional. But yeah, I just kind of because I don't deliver transcripts well, it sounds really robotic when I try to kind of present things through transcript. And so I've stopped trying to do that. So I just kind of have a couple talking points and keywords, and then I just kind of go. Awesome. So you mentioned sort of the general areas that you taught, but what specifically did you teach? I taught public speaking. I taught interpersonal communication. I taught business communication. I taught intro to women's and gender studies. And I taught gender and media. Nice. Those are very interesting topics. Yeah, it was super fun. There's certainly going to be a part of me that misses it and misses my students because I did love it. But like you said, my background and my degrees are kind of come together perfectly for writing for women entrepreneurs and being a part of that empowerment. Yeah, I love it. I'm super, super excited. And I've always believed that, you know, women really do hold up paths. So the fact that Mm -hmm. there's such a women business revolution, super, super jazzed about it. Yeah. So let's see, in copy, what do you think is going to be the biggest thing in 2017? Well, I think that we're And I hope that this doesn't impact my business too much, but I think that we're going to have a big pendulum shift to video because we're having a lot of Facebook live stuff. We're having a lot of Instagram story stuff. We're having, you know, YouTube's doing a bunch of different things. And I I fear a little bit that people are going to abandon copy and, you know, we still need words. We need to be a literate society. We need to, you know, there's a different part of the brain that is triggered and lit up when we're writing and we're reading. And so I hope that we don't stray too far from that. And I think that certainly we still have a lot of folks that understand that. And I just love words. I love playing with words. I love, you know, experimenting with words, which is why I think I love doing you know, the little blurby thing so much because it's all playing, you know, and it's finding the right combination. And I think there's enough people that also feel like that, that, you know, won't completely revolutionize this. But, you know, in terms of like you were talking about SEO, you know, you can't search this video where somebody talks about their dog like you can, but that has to be words in the description of the video. And so there is going to be 
a need for that, you know, we really have more authenticity because I think some entrepreneurs still aren't getting a whole lot is that you really need to kind of put yourself out there. You know, you have to share yourself if you're going to be creating a business that has kind of at least partially a personal brand. You know, you can't expect someone to kind of buy into you without sharing a little bit of yourself and being comfortable doing that. I think that we are a little scared to do that because it's kind of been hammered into us to like, be careful what you share on social media, which is true. But there's a difference between like posting inappropriate things and sharing authentically. And so I hope that there's a little bit more of that that happens because in my experience, both with myself and with the women that I see around me being successful, that's what they're doing is that, you know, they're sharing their story, they're sharing their journey, they're sharing their knowledge and just being super authentic and transparent about how they're doing that and why they're doing it. In episode, I believe it's 14 of the Notable Woman podcast, I spoke with a lovely Erin Zimmerman who focuses on social media. And we talked actually a lot about Kim Kardashian. Erin mm-hmm. uh, mentioned the Kardashians is doing social media really well. And I said, I wonder how they're going to change it up post robbery, because that mm-hmm. was, you know, a clearly they had sort of given away everything about where they were and what they were doing and what they had with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think what your parents tell you not to do on social media, you know, which is post your address or I don't even know what we'd call them anymore. Sort of like memes, but not, it was like pre-meme where someone had taken like a picture of their new credit card and they said, look at this new you know, design or whatever. And why is everyone asking me what those numbers are on the back? And not realizing, you know, that they've <laughs> yeah. just given everyone their credit card number. And so there's that. And then there's, you know, taking a, a nice picture of your family at the park, but you don't have to take a picture of your son's eczema. This is me. So, <laughs> so you can have a little bit of design to it. It doesn't have to be your actual life and you're still sharing your life. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, winter is tough on baby skin. My daughter has some issues with that as well. Yeah, man, that's some tough stuff. I had to, also, like, he's always eating, my son. He's always <laughs> covered in food. He's like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. And I just like can't keep his face clean because he's like always covered in, you know, peanut butter, banana, blueberries, whatever it is. He's interesting that way. So I'm going to put your skills to the test on the spot. So if you had to give me a blurby thing, yours is writer gal extraordinaire. Mm. Kristen Downs. Queen of the universe. Is that it? I what? Mean, that's It's funny. I was just going to say that. No, I I think something like you know, truth seeker or, you know, heart speaker or, you know, something that comes from, you know, what you do is find the root of things, right? And tell that story and make sure that it sees the light of day in ways that I don't think that we get a whole lot of that (laughs) in our social media landscape. Yeah. Does that resonate with you at all? It does. When you said it, I did a little dance. Oh, <laughs> so nice. Thank you. See, guys, she's good. She's really good, this Tara. All right, lady, we're going into my version of the crazy end questions. I don't have a fancy name for that. By the way, you can blur everything that too. Yeah, I'll blur everything that for you. <laughs> Thank you. So what would you say is the biggest assumption that people make about you? 
biggest assumption that people make, I think in the online space, and this is very interesting, I'm very short in real life. And in the online space, you can't tell that. And I've talked to people and I've just kind of mentioned in passing that I'm very short. And they're like, oh, I never, I thought you'd be like average height. And so that's very, I'm five foot and I'm very petite. And so I'm very tiny. And so that is a big part of my identity. And, and so for people to kind of know me pretty intimately online, to think that they have no sense of what my physical body actually, like what kind of space it takes up is really interesting to me. I think that is fascinating. And yeah. I think it's interesting because Shelley Robinson of episode nine of the Notable Woman podcast, I had asked her husband because I wanted to send her a gift of LuLaRoe legging. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty sure she was a giant, but <laughs> I wasn't 100% sure. So I asked him and he did confirm that she was a giant, almost yeah. six foot. So you and she are going to meet at the Boss Mom Retreat in what, San Diego, is it? Yes. I can't. You have to take a picture yeah. for me. I yeah, can't wait. Because that conversation happened between me and Shelly. Because she was like, she said something about being really tall. And I was like, oh, I'm really tiny. And she's like, oh, I never really thought of that. It's going to be a very comical meetup for us. That's awesome. I do think that's part of the fun of meeting people online is that they don't really know how tall you are, how short you are. Yeah. You know, maybe you have a funny voice and you don't do a podcast. And no one knows, you know, yeah. or, or okay. tiny voice or big voice or whatever. Yeah. So that's the assumption is that I'm normal sized and I'm not. <laughs> I would have definitely thought you were in sort of like the five, four range would be, I thought. Yeah. When you said five foot, I was like, what? Wow. How tiny. Now, what would be one takeaway you'd want people to get from this podcast episode? To allow your copy to empower you through authenticity. Because I think, you know, maybe this is probably really bad business for me, but what you need is always already inside of you. And a lot of what I do is just pull that out of somebody. It's not like I make their awesomeness happen. I just ask them about it and they tell me about it and then I write it. And so, you know, knowing, trusting that awesomeness exists inside of you and allowing that to come through in your copy and either trusting yourself or trusting your writer to get that onto the screen and really become a part of your business in a way that's going to feel close to you and your purpose and that will resonate with your ideal clients as well. I think that that is amazing and true. And also, I do have to say that even though your authenticity, your true self does lie within you, so few people can pull it out. And so it's really great when you do work with someone like a copywriter, like a business coach, someone that can help you see what you can't see because it's way too close to your own face. Yeah. Now, do you have a book you would love to recommend to the Notable Woman audience? Mm. I recently read Big Magic and really liked it. And I just received in the mail, you are a badass today as one of my birthday presents. And I think those two are going to balance each other nicely because <laughs> I'm like part, I'm like half woo woo and half practical. And so I feel like there's really interesting woo woo stuff in big magic. And, you know, I'm also like, okay, but what does that mean? And how do we channel that? And how do we use that? So I think that's what badass is going to give me, I'm hoping. 
Awesome. Yeah. Now, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect? So my website is tbosslerwriting.com. Definitely Facebook because I'm there all the time. You can always find me. I'm a boss mom ambassador now. So you can hop in there and find me posting prompts every now and again. And I mean, you can try me on Instagram, but like I said, I didn't really understand it. So like, there's just pictures of my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is your dog's name? Jackson. Jackson. That's a great name. Big pet person. So that is awesome, lady. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I so appreciate you having me on and I so appreciate the work that you do. It's so important and so awesome. And I think you, my friend, are the notable woman. Ah, you just making my day, Tara. <laughs> Hello again. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tara. I really appreciated her tips. I know that I get a lot out of following her on Facebook. So I think that if you are interested in writing, you're interested in the idea of copy and expressing yourself in words, which I think obviously we all do. But if you're interested in really improving that, Tara's a great person to follow. She has really nice tips. She does Facebook lives where she gives you a little glimpse into something that you need to learn. I found her really super helpful. So definitely go follow her on her Facebook page so you too can learn more about writing. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you again next week.